Hello, you're listening to Earth Matters, produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Fitzroy, Victoria, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The Earth Matters team, we bring you environment and social justice stories. I'm Kerry Lee Harding. This week on the show, you'll hear from Tim Ball, a writer and Baranyanabal artist at Yurumboy First Nation Art Festival in Melbourne. And you'll also hear from Kent Morris, artist and CEO of The Torch Project, on prisoner art and being nominated for the second time in the National Indigenous Art Awards. Right now on the program, time for Tim Ball, writer and Baranyanabal artist at Yurumboy. Hi, my name is Tim Ball. My mob are Belladongnunga, but I've always lived on Wurundjeri, Bunurong land. Um, my mum moved here from Perth when she was really young, when she was about 21, and met my dad. And the, the rest, rest is history. history. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, yep, here in Melbourne, but that's, go back to Perth. And, that's beautiful. Yep. And just going back, why did your mum come here when she was 21? I guess for exciting opportunities. Yeah. Like and a lot of our mums work, did. Exactly, work stuff. So yeah. she got a sort of like a – she was in a sort of admin role for the ANZ Bank yeah, wow. in Perth. Yeah. And they had opportunities to um, get you jobs in other parts of the country, basically. And so she went and did a stint, I think, in Adelaide for a bit and didn't like it that much. And then some stuff come up in Melbourne, so – yeah, so she just got a job here. So it's just a transfer. So it's pretty pretty good. That doesn't happen that much. So no, she's lucky. Yeah. That's very good. You've been very busy over the last couple of weeks at the Yurimboy Festival, Timma, not only as one of the black critic writers, but uh, also performed at Barring Yanabul on the Saturday, which was a citywide blackout. Uh, tell me about what you did and your performance piece uh, you did with another sister. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, it was called Last Stone Left. It was really exciting. It came about, um, it's a really interesting little lane, Sargwood Lane in the city. And Ruben Berg, the Gunjajamara architect, showed me this wall um, down the laneway. And so basically it's this amazing sort of siltstone cliff and it blows you away because you've got the whole city built in and around, but somehow they didn't build over this cliff face. So the sort of pre-colonial existing rock is still there, even though there's all these like crazy skyscrapers and Parliament House all packed in, but somehow they didn't destroy or build over this beautiful wall. Well, not a wall, it's a, it's a stone. It's the actual natural environment. So I kind of became really obsessed with this wall mm-hmm. and wanted to do, wanted to introduce people to it and kind of say that cities aren't places that completely destroyed Aboriginal culture. It's, I mean, obviously the people, we're all still here living in cities, but even there are still natural um environments that are still surviving in the city. So I was really interested in that. And then I collaborated with um, Raina Peterson, who's a Indian Fijian artist. Charlie Perkins, when he was doing all these amazing Aboriginal activism, he went and helped a young um, Indian Fijian girl um, 
called Nancy Prasad. And so it was in the horrible white Australia policy era. And he was like, nah, you know, obviously I'm an activist for Aboriginals, but I'm against all forms of racism. So I'm not going to let this girl be deported back to Fiji. I'm going to fight and keep her here. So he got with a group of friends and they actually like, stole her from the airport and took her back to her uncle's house, sort of like reverse stealing, like we're always stolen. But Wow. Yeah, and basically they managed to get away with it without um, going to jail or anything, and it really had a massive impact on helping to eradicate the white Australian policy. Wow. So it's this insane story. How powerful. It's amazing. Mm. And a lot of people know about it, but not wow. everyone does. I didn't know, I didn't about, know about it, it either. I, well, and I did not. And my friend knew it because I guess her um, being Indian Fijian, it's a story that that community knows about because the young girl was saved by this Aboriginal man. So they feel this huge debt and gratitude towards that. But please tell me more about this story and then how that had an impact at this particular site in Melbourne. Well, basically... I had never heard about this story and so when Raina told me about it and asked if I was interested in developing something for Yerenboy because she's good friends with Jacob Boehm, I was kind of just completely blown away and I thought, well, we can talk about this um, hidden siltstone wall but while we're sort of talking about revealing hidden stories, let's also talk about this amazing story of bravery that Charlie Perkins did for this young little five-year-old Nancy Prasad. And I think it's a story that we just don't hear enough about. And I think we all know that there's so much, there's such a very explicitly strong white narrative in Australia. So we know, we know so much about the Anzacs, cricketers, yeah, those really, you know, I know, so, like, I know about yes. Donald Bradman and I hate cricket. Yeah. And yet I don't know about this amazing stuff that Charlie Perkins has done. And yeah. I think that's really quite devastating. Same with me, sis, but that's what the education system has done to us, has denied us. Yeah. But how lucky are we? We get to grow up and find this yeah, out Yeah, and, like, ourselves. find it through friends. Exactly. Like <laughs> yeah. It's like the second you leave high school or uni, yeah. you just get educated yeah. by meeting amazing people yeah. and um yeah, listening to their stories. So, yeah, yeah it was like really incredible. beautiful girl you worked with on this project. Yeah, I had no idea. Wow. When she told me, I was like, no, you're lying. <laughs> like, I was so shocked. And then I Googled it and Charlie Perkins was interviewed. There's a radio interview with him. I think it's on the National Library Archives. And he talks about why him and his friends were like, no, nah, no way, we're not letting this happen. We're activists for obviously the Aboriginal people, but we're going to stand by other people of colour who are being discriminated against. And what a good man. He's very much like uh, what one of our other past leaders, uh, Pastor Douglas Nichols, was also very much like that as well. They were men for all. Absolutely. Leaders for all people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So how did it actually play out in a spoken word sense well, in this particular laneway? Exactly. It was all beautiful a bit rock? experimental and interesting. So I basically wrote a poem about it and wow. literally just sat there and read the poem. And Raina is a classically trained Indian dancer. They did this really incredible um, performance where they just did sort of experimental movements to the words so wow yep how gorgeous yep 
I don't think I've ever seen a form of art like that. I don't yeah. get out enough timmer, so yeah, <laughs> excuse me yeah. for being uneducated. But no, I'm no, so no, sorry no. I missed this. No, no and no, maybe really you could um, perform it again. Um, I would love to, even if it's not by the rock. Like, yeah, exactly. A, um, it would be great to a formal setting somewhere. I'd be happy with that. Just yep. putting it out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm also interested to know because um, I'm interested to know how you were so attracted in this this particular rock, you know, from colonisation times. Yep. Is that the right thing for me to say? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, yep. Actually appealed to you, but I was doing my research and in 2011 you completed a Master of Urban Planning from the University of Melbourne with a thesis that examined the role of uh, digital storytelling and community planning. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's just a form, a form of an extension yep. of this of your work earlier, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. I love that. Definitely. Yeah. It's, I think, I don't know, urban planning and thinking about our cities um, mm. and trying to do it in more creative ways is really, really important. I think I've read something somewhere that um, urban planners, you did say once that urban planners should care more about people yeah, rather absolutely. than buildings. Yes, exactly. And why is and that? Yeah. Well, I think particularly from the perspective of, you know, settling in a country that's not yours, I think there's this sort of sense to sort of claim territory and just, you know, and I think it's so much linked to money. You just think of developers who just want to go out and build 500 houses and they just want to build those houses to make money they're not really thinking about the impact the livability how people will feel in those houses the fact that you need those houses to be near schools um, community services transport and I feel like we get lost in either economic imperatives um, egos you know that sort of whole I think a lot of I think the architecture industry, there's still a lot of very successful white men and so they think of building these buildings that make them look really, really good as opposed to um, creating, like, beautiful, livable spaces for a range of people from all sorts of communities to really be able to engage with and enjoy. Yeah, and what you just mentioned there, do you think that's something we'll see as the next generation of urban planners come through the ranks? I hope so, I hope so. That'd be so good. Because if you're thinking like this and have this insight, then I'm sure there's more fellas out there thinking the same way. Yeah, absolutely, Mm. absolutely, definitely. You're also one of the black critics. Um, Tell me about your role in black critics and um, what you loved about it most. It was incredible. It was just so exciting to think about art reviewing and art criticism from an Aboriginal perspective. I think we're pretty well aware that um, there's a very amazing Aboriginal art sector, but it's 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 a struggle that essentially there's all these incredible Aboriginal artists, but the actual structures are still very sort of white so you know the big players whether it's the manager of a big arts organization or the editor an arts editor of a leading newspaper is generally someone who's not aboriginal so I kind of like the idea of when you've got aboriginal people critiquing and writing about their own work that it can really sort of build a lot more confidence and just some more interesting ideas. And even recently, I mean, obviously she's a huge player, but all the reviews 
of Tracy Moffat's work. They've I haven't seen any Aboriginal people write about her work, and that's that's a really good point. It's a shame. It's sort of really disappointing, and I feel like they keep on writing these really safe, neutral reviews. It's kind of like it always seems to be they give it a three star out rating, and just very kind of yes, it's highly polished work exploring similar themes from her previous so interests, like just very kind of oh well, and you just kind of like. I don't maybe you hate it or maybe you I don't know it's just very yeah you're neutral. not really saying how it is and that I have no idea like I I mean yeah. I you I get the sense of what the work is because they obviously put images of it yeah but from just reading the reviews it's just like I don't get any sense of what the hell Tracy's done wow. and, in Venice and what a black writer could bring to that is looking specifically through that black lens yeah and, and just, they bring that yep yeah bringing all different just other perspectives, stories, even anecdotes. Yeah. People might have sort of known her at different points in her career and it's always really powerful to get those little personal elements. Mm. Um, and for me it's quite disappointing to hear and to also witness that I haven't uh, seen any reviews done by Blackfellas on Tracy Moffat's no, most recent work. And which it's so big. I think has got a big, big budget, a couple yeah. of million on here as wow. well. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, that's crazy. I did hear that on Facebook. I don't know whether you can believe everything you see on Facebook or no, not, it's though. it's probably true. Um, but a big budget. And um, I, I really do believe Tracy Moffat is one of our finest Aboriginal artists in this country. Yeah. Why not have something written about that from a black lens? Absolutely. From a black fella? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, so, yeah. So I'll be looking forward to seeing more of your black writing out there. Yes. More yes. of Timmer's writing, Timmer yeah, Ball's writing. Great. Yeah. And you, you do write for other publications as well over the years. Mean Gin, one yeah, of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I wrote an article for them, and I've got an article that's coming out. I think they've in bookstores now mm. um, for the Griffith Review. Okay. And so there's yep. an essay in that. Um, and Alison Whitaker is also in that. So okay. that's really cool. And tell me about the review you wrote. You whipped up for that one. <laughs> uh, well, that's kind of, that's interesting. It's sort of exploring feminism and I think why we need, well, why for me feminism is about really strong Aboriginal women. So I wrote about why Lisa Belair and Professor Eileen Morton-Robertson are really important to me. I listened to a lot of Lisa's poetry for the first time only last year um, through one of my work roles in radio and uh, it was a Black Gold project that we did here at 3CR and one of the Black Gold programs we actually uh, paid a tribute to the late sister and um, it was um, some of her excerpts of reading poetry and other people reading her poetry as well. And so magical, so powerful. Uh, just two words that I could come up with. No, really, I could too. say so much so, more. Yeah. But um, that woman, Lisa, what a great loss. I know. Which I, th- I still feel the community feels it greatly. I th- yeah. Because Lisa made such a big impact in who she was as a person, as a sister, as an auntie. Yeah. 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 So, so happy to hear that you're keeping, keeping Lisa's work alive through your writing. It's really lovely to hear. And you've just written an article as well for the Overland um, Literary Journal. Yep. Yes. Um, Black Critics Flipping the Power Play in the Arts, in which you are... do feature a quote from Nakaya Louie, who's the black comedy 
woman legend yeah legend woman who does everything so super smart i know i know um studied law yeah um, i didn't so, i only found that out recently yeah, that she's so like, i know crazy um abc broadcaster she's doing amazing things and she's only 20 something yeah like, oh my goodness can you imagine this woman what a force she's gonna be she's a force to be reckoned with now now i know so I'm, I'm really looking forward to the future and watching more of her work but um in this article, and I'll quote Nakaya here, that you've written, sometimes I'm a little bummed out that there really aren't any Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander or people of colour critics, especially women, to review my work for publications, quote unquote, from Nakaya Louis there. And basically, what was your response then in the article to well, I what think, she'd referenced? I think that it's, it's a really, really, really important point. And I think what's really interesting is that it made me read reviews people who had reviewed her work and I was thinking um the the piece the play she did last year for Malthouse um Black Showgirls and I absolutely loved it it had a really really just very very strong impact on me and when I started reading these reviews again everyone was just sort of giving it three stars like some someone gave it five stars actually but just I don't know I think it made me think I I just don't know if it it meant a lot to them. I think it's very, very black humour, very sarcastic, very bleak in its outlook, but it's also very reflective on what is actually going on in Australia. And I just sort of thought maybe a kind of very middle-class white reviewer who hasn't really engaged that much with Aboriginal communities, maybe it the themes went over their head and maybe they just sort of thought, oh, that was... I think a lot of people just didn't get it. Like, they just sort of thought, oh, it's a story that's influenced by the film Black Show... Sorry, Showgirls. And obviously the play is influenced by the film Showgirls, which is clever, but it goes much deeper than that. It's really talking about the way Aboriginal culture is appropriated for... Um, white people's gain and that white Australia makes a lot of money from Aboriginal art and culture and it's that's a very important thing to be addressing. That was Timmer Ball, writer and a Baranyanabal artist at Yirrimboy First Nation Arts Festival in Melbourne. You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network and I'm Kerry Lee Harding. Now to Aboriginal art with Kent Morris. He's the CEO of The Torch Project and he's also an artist himself and nominated in this year's Telstra Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Art Awards to be held in Darwin. This is Kent Morris and he first starts off by talking about his work at The Torch Project. Well, look, about six years ago I was uh, given the opportunity to develop an Indigenous arts in prisons and community program. So I would uh, design, deliver and develop this program from scratch to provide support to our mob in, in all the prisons in Victoria, and it's based on art and, and cultural learning and expressing and sharing that culture with the broader community, and we work with men and women in the prisons and also upon their release to kind of refocus their, their pathway and, and, you know, provide that kind of support that a lot of our mob need who might have come off the path, you know. Tell us about your artwork and what you do. You do some very special, special images. How do you explain them? Wish I knew. Now, look, this is really interesting because in the in the time I've been, I, I you know, started running this program, I was going through a similar process of 
you know, trying to find my family and understand my cultural connection and learn and being supported by men and women in our community to, you know, to heal some of the the tears and and the fractures in our in our family history through you know past and present government policies. And one of the things that I was always encouraged to do was to to, to make art and share that, you know. And I found it really quite hard initially, um, but certain people and particularly uh, I'm going to shout out to. Now we Carolyn Briggs and Uncle Larry Walsh. Yes, a big always, hello. Yes. Yeah, big hello, because they really kept at me when I was running the program, saying to me, "Well, you're supporting all these men and women with, with their cultural production and, and their kind of well-being. What are you doing for your own? What are you doing?" And I said, "You know, Uncle Aunt, I don't have time. I, you know, this program takes up all my time." They said, "You really have to find your own space and develop your own sort of sense of." of cultural production and your own well-being as well. And I didn't understand 100% what they really meant until one day I was trying to enter one of the fellows in the program into an, an exhibition into the Victorian Indigenous Art Awards and I realised I didn't really know how to do it. And I, I sort of sat down and thought, well, here I am, I'm talking the talk and I'm not walking the walk. I, I had like a whole lot of experience in the art world but I've given all my time to this program and I need to kind of build my skills but also I understood that after about three or four years of the program, I was finding it a bit, it was kind of impacting on me in, in different ways. And mm. the best thing I ever did was to take their advice and to actually start making work again. Um, yeah. And it really helped me continue the work I was doing, but also to, to really sort of had a double effect that I was better at, at the work I was doing with the fellows too, because, you know, some of the men and women getting to higher levels and wanting to really make inroads into the art world. So I needed to really get my skills back on track and my understanding of, you know, some of the processes of the art world. But I guess more importantly, what Auntie and Uncle were getting towards was that I needed to maintain my cultural practice. Um, and I did that. And since then, yeah, one thing's just led to another. So to try and explain these words, is it's, mm. it's kind of, you know, I live in St Kilda. I'm, my ancestral country's in outback New South Wales. Yeah. From up the Darling River, Barker, Darling River, so up from Wilkenya, right up to Burke. Well, even Wentworth, Wilkenya, Tilpa Louth, up to Burke and out to Broken Hill and Menindi. And I live on, you know, Yellow Willem country here, and I have done for 20 more years and have a lot of good connections here. But one thing you realise is we're always on country wherever we are, you know. It doesn't matter where we are in this land, we're always on country. Well, that's absolutely so, right, eh? Mm. Right. And it's important to know that country you're on, but also to understand that history. And I live in a very built-up, you know, in urban environment, but, but I understand when I was... I just kept walking... I was just walking around, you know, and so many times of the information I was taking into the prisons and talking to fellows and seeing their works, and a lot of it was really related around our ongoing stories, particularly through our beautiful native birds. Um, and the more I read and looked and listened, and even in this inner city area, this is like 9, 10, 12 different varieties, and I started to just kind of follow them and listen to them and look at what they were doing, and I eventually started taking my camera out and photographing them when they were, you know, interacting with buildings and technology and other different forms that have been built mm. on top of this country. So I'm walking around understanding the history that's underneath all this layer that's come, but understanding there's a layer, you know, the layer underneath is really important for us, and sometimes we don't see it in the built environment. We don't really see it reflected in our everyday lives, you know. So when the birds, this might sound funny, but when the birds are on the rooftops and this and that, I started taking photos and reshaping those 
images to form some of our designs, like shield shapes and all the linear, beautiful geometric designs that you've particularly seen in the southeast, but also around the country. So kind of trying to reshape the environment that's been built to reflect our culture and our history and our heritage to kind of reaffirm our, our connectivity and that, and that we are here and, our, and the stories and songs of our, of our birds and other native animals, of our people, is still here. And But often you don't see it reflected when you're walking around and you can kind of feel a bit you know, not represented in, in this new environment, but we are here and just trying to reveal to that to other people about that continuing connectivity we have and how important it is for us, I, I reckon, to feel that um, it's it's seen, it's visible, you know. I was in Tipperborough when my dad was born and this is in far, far northwestern New South Wales and the kind of history of, of that our people have been almost erased from that that country there, you know, mm. um, where they lived and, the, and the, unless you go into the the local Aboriginal land land council building, or into for a lesser extent into the national parks building, you would mm. almost think there wasn't a history there. You know, it's Sturt Street and Mitchell Street, and there's a boat hanging there somewhere. Like you know, this place was discovered. You know, you know <laughs> by, what? It's um, absolutely. I get that because in, uh, on country where I'm from, in some parts of Queensland, it's very much like that as well. Yeah, right. So all mm. of this made me think. You know, our history is deep and it's long and it's it's really embedded in this in this entire land, and often you don't see it. So I'm trying to bring that to the fore to say, well, these buildings might be here. I'm going to reshape this building to reflect what was there before it. And the constant in that are always the, our native birds and their, and their stories. You know, for me, that's how I see it. And they've had to, for one, for better or for worse, and, and all these changes that happen, like for for us and our mob, you know. Our interaction changes as, as you know, a lot of the impacts of colonisation have, have made these kind of changes, but we're kind of really resilient, and so are a lot of our, uh, you know, our animals too. But there's a point where the impacts, you know, need to be kind of understood and realised and to say, well, look, you know, that, that's gone too far, and we've had to adapt so much, you know, and we can because we're strong and resilient and we have that kind of depth. But also, we've got to find... Find that balance, and I'd like to see more in this area. I mean, in, my, in a lot of areas, that kind of that recognition, that sort of visibility of not only our history but of our of our, you know, our, our ongoing connection and, and existence. That was Kent Morris, CEO of the Torch Project and artist nominated in the 2017 Telstra Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Art Awards. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network with me, Kerry Lee Harding. Today on the show, you also heard from Timmer Ball writer and Baranyanabal artist at Yurimboy Arts Festival. And if you've missed some of today's show, don't forget that our podcasts can be downloaded at 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous financial support and the dedicated people at the Community Radio Network for all their hard work in getting this program out to you. Earth Matters was produced in the studios at 3CR Radio in Fitzroy, Victoria. On the Kulin Nation, our contact number is 0394198377. Our email is earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. That's all for today, but we'll be back again next week. Thank you.